everybody. Welcome to New Day Church. If you are new to New Day Church, my name is Andrew, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today for our teaching series called Christ the King. I'm glad if you're in this room with us, and I'm glad if you're online as well. So many people try out New Day online, so if that's you, thanks for trying us out today. I hope you enjoy your time with us. We're so happy to be in this series called Christ the King. We're going through the book of Matthew. We're kind of getting through chapter 7. In fact, today we will finish chapter 7. But even if you're just getting started with New Day and just getting started in this sermon series, it's okay. There's something each week that can impact you and you don't need the prior weeks necessarily to catch up. And if we do have to catch you up, we try our best to do that. So I hope you're excited to dive into God's word today with me. In fact, I want to tell you this, we're going to finish the Sermon on the Mount today. Uh, We've been in that for a while and we're going to finish the mini series that we've just started covering on true versus false disciples. So in case you are brand new, let me catch you up just a little bit on Matthew chapter 7. At the very end, starting at about verse 13, Jesus has actually given us four illustrations that if you have been tracking, you'll remember them. Take a look at the screen. Let me show you a slide. In week one of this little mini-series, we saw that the true disciple of Jesus will choose the narrow gate versus the wide gate. And then in the next week, we saw that the true disciple of Jesus would produce good fruit versus producing bad fruit. And then last week, in a very powerful message by our lead pastor, Mike, who we are so blessed to have as our pastor, are we not? He did a wonderful job preaching a difficult message, but it's a message that's true. And it's about this thing, a true disciple doesn't just claim that Jesus is Lord and Savior. The reality is that Jesus truly is the Lord of their life. And it was so powerful, it was sobering, I think, for so many of us to hear that message. And then finally this week, you're left with me, And it's the solid rock versus the shifting sands. This is our text today. It's Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 29. And Jesus is going to teach us today on two different foundations. If you're going to be a true disciple or a false disciple, that choice is yours. And you get to decide. And you're going to have to choose between two different foundations. Before we get into the actual text, I just want to see if any of you maybe remember some stories in our our area, the region of the country we're in, which is Massachusetts, Connecticut region. If you remember the story about brand new homes finding out that their foundations were crumbling. Anybody hear this story? In Massachusetts and Connecticut, it was hard not to see it. It was coming up on the news. It was a big deal. It made the news. In fact, WWLP reported that the foundations of homes in more than a dozen communities in our area had tested positive for paratite. Now, paratite is a naturally occurring mineral in concrete poured by a now-defunct concrete company out of Connecticut. Now, this paratite, here's what it does. It causes concrete to slowly deteriorate as it's exposed to oxygen and water. Yeah, great. Like, we don't have too much of that, no big deal, right? Oxygen and water, it's everywhere, all the time. Take a look at a picture of one of the foundations that was affected. Imagine doing this brand new home. You build your home, it's your dream home, you've put everything into it, it's your investment, probably the biggest investment of most people's lives, and then you find out this is, your, this is your foundation. Maybe a month later, a few months later, or a year later, you find this out. So a special commission obviously was created by the states to study the impact of the problem, and it estimates in these 1,500 homes or so that the cost to fully restore the foundations in the homes is gonna be $350 million. There's actually only one way to fix the issue right now, Take a look at a picture of a home out in Charlton to see what the fix looks like. Here's your option. Put the entire house on stilts, and then you've got to replace the foundation. 
I want you to see something. I want you to see that the only solution to having a wrong foundation is to replace it with the right foundation. Another company has to come in and lift the house off the bad foundation, dig out the bad foundation, the bad concrete, pour in new foundation, and then drop the house back down. This process is costing hundreds of thousands of dollars per house, and guess what? It's not covered by insurance, of course. So if you went with this now defunct concrete company, well, you got the wrong foundation. If you had a better builder, a better quarry, a more reputable company, well, lucky for you, you got the right foundation. As we approach our text today, you'll find that Jesus is also using home foundations as an illustration to point out once again that we have a choice to make if we're going to be followers of Jesus. As has been the case throughout the series, there's a right choice, and then there'll be a wrong choice. And what's kind of nice is the choice is yours, the choice is mine to make. Which we choose, though, will determine if we are a true disciple of Jesus, a true follower after him, a true student of our Savior, or if we're false. But it's not paratite in the concrete. Jesus points to the foundation choices of his time some 2,000 plus years ago. Let's take a look as we read our entire passage together today. It's coming up on the screen. You'll see these things in your notes as well. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, however, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house too, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Verse 28, when Jesus finished saying these things, finishes the entire Sermon on the Mount, and finishes this little mini-series on true and false disciples that we're covering, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. And verse 29 says this, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. What I want to do together today is break this passage down into three parts. So if you're taking notes, let's identify the first foundation choice and it's your first fill in the blank, and it's the solid rock. You have a choice to make today if you'd like to be a true or false disciple, and your first choice is the solid rock as a foundation. See, as Jesus gives this illustration of a wise man building his house on a rock and the subsequent storm that's going to show up, everybody that was listening to Jesus at the time would have understood the flooding rainfall that could take place in the Palestinian desert. And they would have in their mind's eye a picture of someone who had taken the time to dig down deep to create their foundation for their home. So that when these flooding rains would show up, these storms that Jesus is referencing, they would have in their mind's eye, we watch this happen, but the people that take the time and build down and get a solid foundation, their houses still remain standing. Even when you might have some kind of mud going by and it would just wash everything out, uh, you would still see these homes standing because they had dug deep. They had found what the Bible would call Petra. And Petra, it means rock, but it doesn't mean like a little stone or even a boulder. What it means is like a great outcropping of rock. Think of it as like deep down, you got to look and hunt for it, bedrock. It's going to take intentionality. It's going to take more time. It's going to take thoughtfulness. You're going to have to be thinking really through what do you want for the end result in your home. You want it to stand. Well, it's going to be more effort 
but get down to the Petra, to the bedrock. And if you build your house on that, it is solid, it's stable, it's unmovable. And if you dig deep enough, you'll find it and it will be the right foundation. I borrowed my parents, my in-laws, Tommy Bahama beach umbrella because we went to the beach this past Friday. And I was so happy to borrow theirs because I have a terrible umbrella. When I opened up their ba Tommy Bahama one from Costco, I mean, it was like one of those great Costco deals. I opened that bad boy up and I knew right away I was in, like, I was in for a good beach day. Because in that bottom pole that you have to stick into the sand, well, it had this little handle on it and if you pull it open, it creates like a T. And then at the bottom of the pole, it's like a corkscrew. So you can put it into the sand and then you just start twisting with that T, a corkscrew all the way deep into the earth. And in fact, it's so good because we love Costco so much and they're so amazing and Tommy Bahama and all of the engineers that they put this little red sticker on the bottom of the pole. So it tells you that if you don't get down below that sticker, your umbrella could fly away. So I was so excited. I put that thing all the way in, dug down as deep as I could, and I knew it was good. In fact, I was like, Lord, send the winds. I'm ready. <laughs> Bring the storms of life. My Tommy Bahama is going to make it. And the reason why I knew it would is because I knew I had gone not just in that surface sand. I had found something deeper. There's something more stable. There's something more solid. Of course, Jesus isn't referring to a literal house, and he's definitely not referring to a Tommy Bahama umbrella, I promise you that. But what Jesus is referring to, when he says this house that's built upon a solid rock, don't miss it today, it's an illustration. Jesus is saying, this represents your life. And when I'm talking about your life, a person's life, my life, I'm talking about your worldview. I'm talking about your philosophy. What Jesus is talking about when he comes to your life, we know this already, it's the physical, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual facets of your life. It's the all-encompassing you. It's everything that's true about you. It's everything that it means to be you. That's your life. And what Jesus is saying is that if you're gonna build your life on something solid, you have to build your life upon the very words of Jesus. You must build your life upon the word of God if it's ever gonna be built on a solid rock. Take a look at Matthew chapter seven, verse 24 again. Notice what Jesus says. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You see, hearing isn't the whole story. It's hearing and doing, that's the key. And when you have hearing and you add doing to it, it's your next fill in the blank. And that's this word called obedience. When you hear the words of Jesus and then you actually do what they say, well now you're in this category of obedience. Jesus is ultimately saying that when the storms of life come, and boy, they will come, including the ultimate storm of life, which we heard about last week, that great white throne judgment, that end of life that every single one of us knows is in our future someday. We don't know the day. We don't know the hour. But when that storm comes, Jesus is saying, whoever has built their life upon the very word of God are those that are gonna stand. 
It's those that have heard the words that I've preached here now on the Sermon on the Mount and actually carry them out. Actually do what they say. Therefore, actually obey my teachings. See, James, the brother of Jesus, he reiterates these words from the Savior when he says in James chapter 1, verse 22, take a look, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. You have to do what it says. Hearing plus doing equals obedience. Later on in chapter 2, James says that what Jesus says here once again, and it's even in a more powerful way. Take a look at James chapter 2, verse 17. He says, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it's dead. The way you and I would say it in this mini-series of true versus false disciples, we would say there's a true faith and a false faith. A true faith has the accompanying doing with it. It's the works alongside. A false faith is someone who says they hear those words of Jesus, but they don't do anything that they say. This wise man understands what James and Jesus are saying. In order to build a life that can withstand the storms, we must hear the word, we must listen to the word, and then actually do what it says. That's a true disciple. That's a person who has built their house, their life, upon that solid Petra rock. That's the first thing we see Jesus teaching, but then he shows another option. Remember, you have choices today, true or false. You get to choose. And what I want to show you now, and what we've been showing you in this mini-series, is that most people take the other option. So let me show you the other option that the vast majority of people, that wide gate where people enter. It's your next fill in the blank, and it's number two. It's the shifting sand. You have the solid rock option, the hearing and the doing and the obedience, but then you have the shifting sand. You see, when these same Palestinian floods would come, you'd also find a man who hadn't taken the time and the thoughtfulness when picking out the foundation for the new home. And so in the mind's eye of the hearer, they would know this guy too. It was that person who didn't take the time to rent the tamper at Home Depot and at least even make that sand a little bit more solid at a minimum, come on, even it out a little bit. No, they rushed to it. They were too busy and too preoccupied with all the other cool things that were on their plate. The other options, the other invites, the FOMO, so they couldn't spend time digging down for the bedrock. They didn't want to be really intentional with their lives. Let's just do like everybody else. Just go with the flow. Pop a house up. Let's start life. Let's just get to it. We'll figure it out as we go. And without taking the time, as they build that foundation, those floodwaters would come, those Palestinian rainfall, and instantly everything would come crumbling down. It felt fine in the moment, but it wasn't enough. The foundation wasn't secure. So... Two weeks ago, I was at the Cape, and I had this really cool tent that you could screw in. It had the same kind of screws as the Tommy Bahamas thing did, but you could screw it in in multiple locations, and it was like this little canopy that was great for my little kids, and we could cover them up. That thing was secure. Again, I was praying for the winds of the Lord to come, because like, I was like, this thing's not going anywhere. But right next door, this dude, he didn't get a Tommy Bahama. He went to the Christmas tree shop, so I'm sure of it. It was like a $2.99 umbrella. And I'm watching him. He's taking that lower pole and he's trying to put it into the sand. And foolishly, he's already put his sunscreen on, so his hand's just slipping on the pole. <laughs> he doesn't have a mallet, nothing. No corkscrew end, nothing. And I'm nervous. And rightfully so. The first winds that come along, boom, that thing takes off. It hits my tent. Bounces right off because mine's secure. Come on. <laughs> but he could have impaled somebody. 
And now he's got to do what? He's got to do the walk of shame down the beach and go get your umbrella. <laughs> That's somebody in the shifting sense. Wanted to get into the water, wanted to get out into the sun, wanted to get to the beach life, baby, but didn't take the time. Built it upon those shifting sands. And what happens? The minute a little breeze even comes, it doesn't even have to be a wicked storm, it collapses. When the storms hit, the people hearing Jesus, they would have known that those houses come crumbling down. And what Jesus is clearly saying is that a person who decides to build their life upon the shifting sands is somebody who is foolish. I know you're tracking with me. You know we're not talking about houses and we're not talking about beach umbrellas. Here's what's true about the foolish person. They have heard the exact same words of Jesus, just like the wise person heard. But instead of being like the wise person and doing what Jesus said, they've taken what Jesus has said, they think about it a little bit, and they might do it, or maybe not. Jesus says they hear my words just like anybody else, but they don't actually obey. You see, the thing about the foolish man, the one who builds their life upon the sands, this guy, he loves God's promises. Oh, I mean, send them along to me. Give me a scripture that boosts my morale, gets me going in the day. Tell me what God promises me. But you know what he hates? The foolish man hates God's expectations. I'll take all your promises, God, but leave the expectations at the door. No thanks. Oh, I love that you're going to make this wonderful nation out of me. You're going to bless me. You're going to prosper me. I'm a masterpiece. But I don't, I don't want your authority in my life. This is what the foolish man does. See, when the words of Jesus make a demand on his life, when the words of Jesus start to narrow his path a little bit, starts to make things feel a little more uncomfortable in the culture, instead of obeying, the person that hears and is foolish they start to make excuses. They say, well, yeah, that was good, Jesus, 2,000 plus years ago in an agrarian society. But it's 2022. Hey, Jesus, FYI, we're not there anymore. They hear the words of Jesus and they say, like, ah, gee, a little old-fashioned, don't you think? Have you seen the culture? I don't think it applies anymore, Jesus. So I'll take the promise, but I'm going to kind of navigate this one on my own. I'm going to do what feels right in my own mind. I'm going to follow my heart on this one. I might follow my emotions. I'm going to take a talking heads version over here instead of you in these pages of scripture. This is what the foolish person does. See, the wise man hears the words of Jesus and then does them and builds their life upon the rock. The foolish man hears those same words and doesn't obey. And I don't want you to miss the nuance here. They don't obey Jesus. You see, the first foolish person, they hear Jesus, but they're ultimately obeying something no matter what. It's just not Jesus. But when you hear and you do, you're always obeying something. Somebody, something. It's just not the Savior. It's just not the Lord. It's something else. So here's how it plays out. The foolish person, they find a human opinion that suits their situation better, so they'll go with that. I heard what Jesus said, but I heard what this person said too. I like that better. I'm gonna go with that instead. 
Or if there's a human attitude that feels a little easier or a little more with the flow of culture, it's like, well, I know what Jesus is kind of saying and I know what that church is kind of preaching, but it's like, ah, this, this kind of matches up. This is the path of least resistance for me. So I'm going to go that way instead. Or Jesus might be asking for a certain situation for gentleness and respect, kindness and patience. But in that moment, in that situation you're going through right now, all you feel is anger, hatred, resentment. There's unforgiveness somewhere. And you know what's so natural to come out of you is all of those things. And you're so tired of trying to take the high road and do what the Savior's asking of you and that narrow, difficult path. So you just want to just lash out. You want to follow your heart, but it's in the worst position possible right now. But the foolish person will, and they will suffer for it. You see, it's obedience to Jesus and his words that build a life upon a rock. So it's actually this. It's obedience to anything else that will build your life upon the shifting sands. The only way to build it upon a rock is Jesus and his words alone. Anything else, even your good intentions, are the shifting sands. And oh, those sands will shift. They will shift as quickly as the culture around us is shifting. Let me see if I can give you an illustration to convince you. Have you ever seen an article or a news story on a politician's voting record? Have you ever seen that? They love to do this. They'll show you what a politician voted for in the 80s, and then they'll say, look what they're doing in 2022. And they never match up. And a lot has happened in 40 years. Trust me, I know. I'm a child of the 80s. A lot has happened in the last 40 years. And you say, has anything changed? Yes, so much has changed in our culture. And if you're going to just follow culture, you're going to be shifting and swaying and all over the place. Culture is always shifting. The sands are always moving. Can I tell you something that hasn't changed? It's the word of God. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations, even 2,000 plus years later. For the fool, the only authority is whatever the current trend or feeling or sensation might be. And that is a choice, and most people take it. Because it's easy. And the end result is when the storm comes, and it always comes, the foundation of the fool will be revealed. And it comes crumbling down. If you've been tracking, maybe you're starting to realize that everybody hears and everybody does. And so therefore, everybody is obeying somebody or something, even if it's just yourself. So the question remains, who or what will that somebody or something actually be that we decide to obey? And that's your next fill in the blank if you're still tracking with me. Number three, let's talk about the ultimate authority. The ultimate authority. Let's read verses 28 and 29 together, again together today. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teachings. Jesus could blow you away. I mean, he, he was the real deal. And here's why, though. Verse 29, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as just some regular teacher some scribe, some Pharisee, all the stuff they'd heard before. There was authority behind it. The word authority means power and privilege. It was Jesus saying, I am the end all. The alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. I am the standard. In fact, we've entitled this series Christ the King because Matthew was really going after this kingship of Jesus, this lordship of Jesus. 
It's showing that there is one authority, his name is Jesus, it's Christ alone, and he is the king. And so, you can imagine, when the scribes and the Pharisees started hearing this, it upset them. Because you've got to understand, the scribes, what they were doing is they were following religious traditions. They were trying to keep everybody in check with these external, superficial, and unstable laws and requirements. And as culture would shift in their time, they would shift and they would accommodate and they would fix it and figure it out and be like, okay, this is the right way to live. And let me move this around and figure this out. And oh, that's your opinion? Oh, that guy's very influential. Oh, he's rich. Let's listen to him. Opinions, speculations, the standards of men are what the scribes looked to as authority. And so then Jesus comes along and he says, I don't care about any of those standards of men. And Jesus shows up on the scene and he has a, he's on a hillside in Galilee and he says, I'm my own authority. It's completely shocking. Jesus says, I'm the end all be all. It's my word. And I'm telling you, I'm the ultimate authority. I'm king, Jesus says. You can imagine how these scribes felt. This was a huge point of contention, a major issue between Jesus and the Jews who felt that their authority was completely challenged. And guess what? That's exactly what Jesus was doing. And spoiler alert, some 2,000 plus years later, where you think maybe that God's word's not applicable in our day and age, I just want to share with you, Jesus is doing the exact same thing to you and to me right now. He has come onto the scene to challenge you today. Who is your ultimate authority? It's probably not a scribe. It's probably not a Pharisee. We're in the culture of self. It's you. And Jesus says, I've come on the scene to challenge your perspective. Are you really in charge? Or should it be me? Jesus wants us to hear his words and then do what they say because he knows he is the ultimate authority in this life and in the next. You see, people hear the words of Jesus in churches all over the world, just like ours today. And they read them on their Bible apps, just like the Bible app that's on your phone right now. And then, guess what? They do whatever they want. But King Jesus doesn't mince words here today. He says there are true disciples and there are false disciples. Both of them hear the same words of Jesus, but the true disciple knows who the ultimate authority is. And they decide, choose, to do what he says. And don't forget, the storms of life will come. And even if you think you're gonna be the exception to the rule in this life, I hope you're so lucky. But even if you're the exception to the rule and you don't face too many storms in this life, here's what you know and what I know, is that that ultimate storm is coming no matter what. None of us make it out of here alive. And when the ultimate storm of life shows up, the only people that will remain standing are those who have placed their lives upon the solid rock of the authority of Jesus Christ alone. Just like that, the Sermon on the Mount comes to an end. And maybe you're like the original hearers, just beside yourself in amazement at King Jesus and how bold he is and how he just preaches and teaches so much different than a normal teacher or a scribe. And so you say something like this, I'm going to do it. 
Andrew, I'm going for it. I've heard the words of Jesus. I know I've got to hear his words. I've got to do them. I need to obey him, not myself. I'm ready to go. I'm going to do everything that he says. And I'll tell you what, that pumps me up. If that's you, that pumps me up. And I'm super excited for you. And I want to, I'm going to do it with you. I'm in. But before we get too psyched out of our minds, I want to just remind you of something. You remember those Western Mass homes that got the bad concrete? Well, the test results have come back, and I hate to break it to you, but every single one of us has a little parasite in our foundations. <laughs> Let me show you what I mean by giving you a quick recap of just a few of the things that you and I now have to do based on just the Sermon on the Mount alone. I won't even pick all of the scriptures. I won't take all 66 books of the Bible. I won't even go all the way through Matthew. Just the Sermon on the Mount. And if you are going to hear Jesus and then do what he says, here's what you've got to do. Are you ready? Jesus told you and me, we've got to endure persecution. Jesus says that you have to let your light shine in a dark world all the time. Jesus said, you can't murder. You're probably okay there. But you heard my message on murder probably too. And we learned that it's anger and hatred that count the same. How are you doing now? You, don't have to, you can't commit adultery, by the way. And again, many of you probably, you're good. Until we learned in the Sermon on the Mount that even to look at somebody lustfully is adultery. You can't seek revenge. You're not allowed to. You have to love people who hate you. I'm talking about who want you done and finished and want to mock you. You have to love them if you're going to be a true disciple. You have to give your material possessions and resources away. And you have to do it right, like Summer said today, with a cheerful heart when you give. You have to pray a lot more, and you have to do it the right way. You have to fast a lot more, and you got to do it the right way. <laughs> you got to store up treasure in heaven more than you're storing it up right now on earth. You can't worry. Stop worrying and trust your heavenly father all the time. You have to not be judgmental. You can't be a gossip. You can't be a hypocrite. And the good news, that's just a partial list. <laughs> How's your foundation measuring up? I hope you're doing better than me. I know, I won't speak for you. I have paratite in my foundation. When I read that list and I know that I have to now do all those things, I'm overwhelmed. I realize how far I missed the mark. I realize how it's an impossible task, and even on my best day, give me like two and a half hours, and I start losing steam. And I start to wonder, how will I ever do this for Jesus? I need you to hear this, it's the most important part of the message. Because your foundation, your foundation it's not actually your doing. Your foundation, Christian, true disciple, your foundation is in your trusting. It's in your trusting in Jesus, the only rock of your salvation. It's the trust in Jesus himself who has already done it all for you. Our gospel, Christian, it is not a do gospel. It is not a works-based faith. That's heresy. Our gospel, it's a done gospel. On the cross, Jesus says, it is finished. The believer, 
the true disciple of Jesus knows that there's only one man, fully man, fully God, who could ever do the whole list. And it's not you. And it sure isn't me. His name is Jesus Christ. And because only one could and did, our job now is to place our faith in him, build our lives upon our Savior because we need him so badly. It's a done gospel. You can't do your way to him. I want to show you a quote that I believe God gave me this week. It's borderline arrogant to quote yourself, but I'm going to do it, and I'm going to put a cool picture of myself next to it like Mike's been doing with all the theologians that he quotes. So take a look. Here's my quote. There you go. All right, take the picture down so we can actually focus on the quote. I really do believe God gave me this quote this week. Here's my quote for you. You have to, you have to catch this today. You can never obey enough in order to become a true disciple. But once you've become a true disciple, you can never obey enough. It's the order that matters so much. A true disciple has to know the order. You can't work your way into God's favor and love. He already loves you. You can't do enough to earn his pleasure. He's pleased with you because he sees you through Jesus if you have placed your faith in him. Jesus knew what he was doing in the Sermon on the Mount. He's not an idiot. He knew the list was so exhaustive. It's not that they're bad things, they're wonderful things, and it's what we should be aspiring to. But he knew that all of us will never hit the mark. He was showing you and me if we had the ears to hear and the hearts to hear it and our spirits could receive it. How great of a need you and I were in for a savior. We were useless, we were helpless, we have no chance without him. And he says, I want to come and be the rock. I'll be the authority. I know you want to take control of your life, but you don't have what it takes. You can't get there on your own, but it's okay. Jesus says, I'm here for you. I'm ready to be what I meant to be in your life, which is the one and the only and the ultimate Petra rock authority for your life. With all these things that Jesus has covered on the Sermon on the Mount, he's trying to show you only he can attain all of them and he'll do it for you. You see, the works that we learn about on that hill in Galilee in the Sermon on the Mount, well, it's not those works that will get you saved. It's the work that was done on Calvary's hill where Jesus bled and died in your place for your sins. And the minute you're ready to give up the authority that you've been hanging on to is the minute that that salvation will come into your life. You can't earn your way to it, but once you receive it, and I'm talking about, it gets into your heart. I'm talking about, it's like, it's like a Tommy Bahama umbrella just drilled into your heart. When you really know what Jesus has done for you, when you really get the great sense of how your Savior has rescued you, when you really recognize that there's no way I'm getting there on my own and I need help and he's ready to offer it, in that moment, the only appropriate outpouring is to obey everything that he has to say. I'm done with my way, Jesus. What do you have for me? I might fall down. I'm going to get back up because all I want to do is run after you. All I want to do is live my life in the best way that you say I should. All I want to do is crack open the pages of Scripture and understand how to approach today a little different. 
approach today a little more like you. Because I know I'll never get there trying to earn it on my own, but you've gotten me there already. And so now all I have to do is obey you and serve you and trust you and submit to you as Lord, Savior, Rock, and King. You've heard the word again today. And the true disciple of Jesus will now do what it says. And if it says anything at all, it says that you and I must build our lives upon him. Once and for all, build your life upon Jesus, the rock of your salvation. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I love your word. It is so sharp. It will pierce us deep if we'll allow it. Everybody within the sound of my voice today, God, has a choice to make. Will they be a true follower of you or will they be false? God, so many of us, we've just been following our own heart, culture, the shifting sands of this life. God, will we look again to you to be the authority in our lives? God, would your word shine so brightly into this dark world that we would see it, we'd hear it, and then we'd want to do what it says. And God, I'm so thankful that your word, if it says anything at all, it says that we could never earn our way to you. You've already made a way. It's done. It's finished. Your death on the cross, your resurrection from the dead. You're the only one who lived the perfect life. God, all we have to do is place our faith in you. So if someone here has never made the choice to serve you, to make you Lord and Savior of their life, I pray they would do that today. And then, God, I know that the true outpouring of that saved life will be a life of service unto you, a life of obedience to your word, a life in submission to the one authority, to the rock of ages, King Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for experiencing this message with us. We would love to connect with you even more. So be sure to like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. And don't forget to find us on the Church Center app for more information about all things New Day. May God bless you, and we hope to see you again soon.